Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Monday, and we are posting an instant classic for your inspiration. This message may come from anywhere around the globe, but is sure to stay with you for years to come. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Hallelujah. Praise God. What an honor again tonight to preach in this wonderful assembly of people. I bring greetings from Russia, from the churches. We are, pray for us, we're going through a process uh, where the government decided to uh, uh, close down churches. Uh, they've just banned Jehovah Witnesses uh, completely, and they're taking away their, uh, which is not a good thing. If you're clapping, you're, uh, you don't understand why you're clapping, uh, because us is next, see? That's what the problem is. You know, and so because when you step over religious freedom or on the religious freedom, then you start, you know, when you start messing with religious freedom, then everybody goes. And so there is a new law in Russia about uh, unlawful missionary activity. You're not allowed to uh, witness on the streets. So you're not allowed to gather in homes with a Bible study. Uh, and you can only, you're confined, basically churches are confined to the activity inside of their church building. And people ask me all the time, what do we do? We do everything like we used to do. Uh, because in Russia, the law is not necessarily uh, something that is being enforced. But when they decide to enforce it, beware, you know. So we're praying that God would uh, close down. It's very, very profound. I just prayed a few weeks ago. Uh, I, and I started praying this prayer. And I felt the anointing of the Holy Ghost on that prayer. And I said, God, hide us. I said, God, hide us. You know Psalms 91, you know how you are hidden under the wings of the Almighty? And I started praying this prayer, hide our buildings, hide our churches, hide our, our men that are out there in, in, uh, out, uh, out there in the field. And you know what, uh, I just, uh, a few days ago, just before I left Fort Chandler for the U.S., I received an email in the morning, Sunday morning. It was from Dennis Wright. He says he's walking uh, and praying at night on Saturday night. And so I received that email like a few minutes after he sent it. And it was a Sunday morning, serious man. I stood, I stood speechless. I was trying to, uh, to do the serious man, but I'm looking at the email. I'm reading it. I can't believe it. He says, I was praying and God put your name in my spirit, he says. And then he says that something like this. God told me to tell you, Sergey, that he's going to hide you. And he used the very same words. And so I'm believing God for the supernatural. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Before I go into the sermon, a guy was praying in the prayer room. And there are two people here, uh, ten people here in this place. You have come here with a headache. You have, uh, you're, you've sat, sat through the, sur- uh, through the uh, worship service with your headache. But now, if you start shaking yourself by the Spirit of the Lord, I believe for your healing and your healing of your head, your headache is gone. 
There are 10 people, at least 10 people in this place. God told me there's 10 people here. Lift it up. Lift your face, uh, to, uh, no face, but a head up, a hand up. My goodness. There's one, there's two, there's three, there's four, there's five, there's six, there's seven, there's eight. And there's two more. There's two more. There's a nine. And at the end there, there's, there's, that's it. That's it. Can we, can we, I thank you. Thank God for this. Wonderful. Hallelujah. Shadarama Sandaya. Hallelujah. There is also a person, uh, one person on my right in the middle section. In, you are in black. Uh, you had pain on your side and you are completely healed. If this is who you are, lift your hand up and tell me. You are in black. You are in the section, in the middle section on my right. And you are, getting, you are healed of, of the pain on your side. On, are you wearing anything black? I only see the white shirt. Are you wearing anything black? You got black pants? Praise God. Uh, what happened, brother? Do you, do you, had, you had something? You had pain in your, pain in your thigh? And, and you, you were, as I spoke, you still had that pain? And it was leaving you? It just left. Praise God. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. And there is also, and there is also one, uh, 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 forgive me if I say it right or uh, wrong, but one sister, African-American, would that be the right way to say it? In the center aisle, uh, you have a left knee uh, that is getting healed right now. Uh, you have been in pain for about three months due to a mild accident that shouldn't be uh, uh, with ramifications like this of that accident. But it left you with a lot of pain. If this is who you are, uh, and this is, you are in, uh, I think you are in the center aisle or in the center section, and God is touching your knee, your left knee, and uh, lift your hand up and give God the glory for what He has done for you. This is very specific. You were in pain. You've been in pain for about three months due to mild due to mild accident, but left you with a lot of pain. If you're here, just let me know. God's going to give you. Uh, God, God's going to give you this healing and you're going to give God the glory. Amen. Well, don't hesitate. Uh, let's uh, go to the sermon tonight. I want you to open to uh, uh, chapter 5 of, of, of Gospel of John. It is not good for people to sit through the service with a headache. Can you say amen? In the house of God. My sermon is called, What Went Wrong in the House of Mercy Church? And I, um, before we read the, our text, our building in Russia, Pastor Campbell preached in that building. Um, we bought it several years ago. It was a log house, basically a big old structure. It was built in 1937. Since then, we added a large portion to it, actually a new sanctuary. But that building, uh, the, the only thing we could, afford, we could afford back then, it had no windows, no roof. And basically, when one, my, my friend from the U.S. came, a builder, constructor, uh, in the past, as a pastor now, but he said, looked at me, he said, you, Sergey, you have a lot of faith when you looked at the building. But that building is, has a very interesting uh, uh, a story behind it, because it served in the uh, World War II as a military hospital. And this is a terrific story. There is a train track right behind our building. And so a trains, trains would pull up and were up unloaded with uh, wooden, wounded soldiers. Those that didn't make it and died 
um, while coming there were put into a hastily assembled shed nearby. And those that were still alive were brought into our building to receive a medical aid. Uh, this building represented back then hope to the wounded soldiers of the Second World War. And how wonderful it is to be able to occupy that place and realize that the designation of that place has not been lost. That is still in 2017 a hospital, but now for wounded and the broken and the needy of our generation. It is wonderful to recognize this, but the question that I have for um, the church there in Russia, when I preached that sermon, I said, are we what we are supposed to be? We're going to look at another uh, place in the text in the Bible right before us. This was supposed to be the hospital for the wounded and the broken and the needy. And the name Bethesda... The, the, the text uh, speaks about a pool of Bethesda in Hebrew. It actually means house of mercy or house of kindness. And let's read the text. And my sermon is what, is, uh, what went wrong in the house of mercy church. After this, there was a feast of the Jews and Je Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate or a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda. Having five porches, in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him laying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him and said, sir, I have no man to put into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well took up his bed and walked, and that day was the Sabbath. Let's look at our text tonight. What is going on in the house of mercy tonight? See, Jesus here, and it's very, very profound. He came in, and the Bible says he did not heal everybody in that place. And that is very, very interesting. There were a lot of people in that place that were waiting for the stirring of water. And we know that the angel would come down on the, uh, different occasions. There was no calendar. There was no date that was set. And the people were waiting there, maybe by the hundreds. I was in Jerusalem a while back and I saw that pool of Bethesda. It is a small little pool. And uh, I could imagine that uh, probably hundreds of people hanging everywhere around that pool, waiting for that stirring, waiting for that rumble. When the angel of the Lord would come down, they would immediately rush in into the water to get healed. I could imagine that, that how that place looked like, the stench 
of death over that place. Uh, just recently, I went to a, uh, a, um, a clinic that uh, um, uh, administers medical aid to the patients that are dying of cancer. I can tell you, if you've ever been to such a place, you would feel the stench of death. You would feel the spirit of death, I should say, over the entire place. And this was the place that we are looking at tonight. It could be that many died waiting for that stirring of water. It could be that for many the hope was going down and down. And it is very interesting that when Jesus came, have you ever wondered, you know, if you think about Jesus, if you think about the Christ, the Son of God, you would think that, you know, you know that He is the one that can come in and heal and cleanse the entire place out. Can you say amen? He could just come in and just touch everybody and heal everybody. And the question tonight at hand is why when Jesus came, he only healed that one person. And he did not heal anybody else in that place. I have several, I have two things that I want to share with you. For the reasons that I believe God is speaking to us tonight. Number one, the reason why there was not anybody else healed. Because nobody else was looking at Jesus. At that church of Bethesda. That church of kindness. That church of mercy. When Jesus was walking through that place and stepping over these people and probably making his way around that place, nobody lifted their eyes. Nobody was watching Jesus Christ. There is no doubt that these people knew who Jesus was. If you read the story later on, this man doesn't know who healed him because he didn't pay attention. He was so excited. But then later on, when he, if you read the story, he met them in the temple, Jesus in the temple. He knew. Jesus said, do not sin if, unless something worse comes upon you. And then he goes to the Pharisees and says, I know who healed me. It was Jesus. He knew who Jesus was. And everybody else had a, a chance uh, to know who Jesus was. But you know what? Here is Jesus. Here is the story. Here's the picture. We see the Lord of Lords. We see the king of kings, the healer, the giver of life, the bread of life, the water of life, the alpha and omega, walking among the church, the kind, the church of Bethesda, and no one is paying attention. Nobody's looking up, nobody's worshiping. Nobody's giving what, what is due to Jesus Christ. There was nobody in that house of mercy church that looked up and saw Jesus. Nobody that would please him. Nobody that would worship him or notice him or invite Jesus. And uh, sing Hosanna to the Lord of Lords and uh, to God. The second problem that we see in that church of Bethesda tonight is... They, these people never looked not only at Jesus, but they did not look at anybody else in that place. They did not see anyone at all because of their problems. They only watched the ripples. They only watched 
the ripples. They only watched and waited till the angel of the Lord would come down and touch the water. And if they saw the ripples, that's what they were looking at. That's what they were seeing. That's the, that's the only thing that was occupying their mind. Everyone that came there was in his own misery. Everyone who came there was in his own problem. They had a contentious spirit, every man for himself. And the only thought that was not to help your neighbor, not to help those who are in need, but to be first in that water. And everybody in that church was one man for himself. There they laid by that pool, possibly hundreds of them everywhere the eye could see. Imagine what kind of a spirit was in that place. What kind of mood occupied these people's minds? How much anger would be there? How much desperation and disappointment when someone would manage to fall into the water first and gloriously healed and jumping and praising and thanking and just being happy and everyone else is in that water, but they didn't make it. They were the second ones. They could not do it. They've just drowned. They have to crawl out of that pool. They have to dry up. It was shivering in the wind, thinking about one person that was healed. Anger, desperation, envy, and strife was in that church. That's the reason I claim to you tonight that these ch that church at that moment never experienced a move of God. See, every church's cry it would be for people to come in and, and, and receive help and healing and restoration and uh, a freedom from demonic oppression. But that evening, that night, this church service didn't end well. End well. There was only one person. Here he was, that man. He was sick for 38 years. Long years, should I say. Lying on, the, on his deathbed with a stench of death. You know, have you been to a, a places where a person would lie on the bed for so many, so long, and it stinks like him, and it, it just fouls the feel and, and, and the smell? He could not sit, the Bible says. He could not help himself. He could not stand. He emaciated and weak. He laid on his deathbed. The Bible says in verse 5, Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. The word infirmity stands in Greek as the word asthenia, which means without strength. And when Jesus came to him, he spotted that man. And the reason why he spotted that man and not the other man, and I, that's very, very clear in our text, because when he came to him, he said, do you want to be made well? And the man said, yes, sir, I want to be healed. I want to be made well. But then there was this profound statement that was made by that man. And if you look at verse 7, I am telling you the cry of pastors throughout the world tonight, the cry of needy, needy souls that would flock into our churches, the cry of drug addicts, the cry of families falling apart, the cry of the humanity in, the, in this word, in this statement of this man right there. He says, I want to be well, but I have no man. I have no man. 
I have no man. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. See, here I stand 24 years ago. A guy from a small place called Paradise Hill up in Canada decided to, because his daughter had a dream that they need to go to Russia. And they uprooted themselves and they sent themselves and Pastor Marx sent that couple to Russia. They landed in Moscow and through the set of circumstances, instead of going to another bigger city, he, they ended up in a small town of Vologda. They started in March, March 1993. In July 1993, a wandering, screwed up, and weird guy by the name of Sergei Golovev wandered into the church building, got gloriously saved. Six months later, a little a wonderful 15-year-old girl got saved, and I looked at her. I said, that's, that's the girl. I like that right there. God saved that woman. And then later on, uh, several months later, uh, one, and a, one and a half years later, we got married, launched out. You know, I, I look back and I understand if there is no man, then the people will not be saved. People will not be healed. That man said such a profound statement. He says, I want to be healed, but there is no man. There is no man. I have no man. There are people in Phoenix and areas represent the churches represent uh, by represented in this place. There is no man. He realized that he had a zero chance. He speaks in verse seven out of frustration and bitterness and maybe anger and desperation. He says, "While I'm coming," and and my question is, "How are you coming?" You can imagine that he's crawling. You know, if I was him, I would I would put a mattress right on the side on the edge. Of the, uh, of the pool, and I would actually hold my, 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 uh, my uh, hand in the water to be the first one to make sure. Just roll over and fall into it. <laughs> he says, but I, 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 I have no chance. 
I have no chance, he says, while I'm coming another, another steps down before me. Do you picture this? Can you see his frustration? He falls down. What a miserable sight. Someone else is happy and you are just drowning, drowning because you have asthenia, asthenia without strength. And you cry because you were the last one. People that are running who is faster overtaking each other because in that church every man for himself and we could be that church any church can turn into the church of bethesda the name is like you you are alive but every man for himself first before everybody else a wicked desire to be ahead ambition to be first this leads to people becoming such that they do not notice pain of other people, their need and their problems. They only think about themselves. And the results of that church is that uh, 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 where people think for them, about themselves and put their own needs first, the result of that church or the ramifications of that mindset is there is no healing in that church. Jesus is there. But no one receives help. There are a lot of needs. There are a lot of people that would actually need a healing and a restoration. And, but there's nothing taking place because only one man was healed. See, normally Jesus' ministry was that he healed everyone. In many, many scriptures, the Bible says, and he healed them all. Matthew 8, 16, where when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. Matthew 12, 15, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. Luke 6, 19, for power went out from him and healed them all. Acts 10, 38, and God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. See, the desire of God today is to heal and give victory and give healing and give restoration and freedom. And Jesus walked between great multitude. As our text says, they were blind and lame and paralyzed. But because they could not only think of themselves, he did not heal anyone and did not help anyone else. Because the church that was looking for the power of God needs to first see Jesus and worship him for who he is. And secondly, that church needs to bear the burdens of others. And pain of others. You know, I was watching a documentary on the climbers on the mountain of Everest. It is the highest mountain. It's uh, an honor for any mountain climber to climb that mountain. And the story goes that there are about, I think there's only one path that you can climb it. And uh, by the side of that path, you can see a footage for yourself. It's really, it's really um, um, uh, 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 painful to watch. You see frozen in, in, into the snow or into the ice bodies of people that died by the side of that path. And uh, they claim that there is about 280 uh, dead mountain climbers 
that over the years died by the side of that little path. And the footage uh, showed a man that still was alive. He was frozen, but he was still moving. And a group of mountain climbers were climbing up that, that mountain and, and, and they were filming him, but they were not going to help him. And the reason is because up in that altitude, every breath of oxygen you have is, 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 you are short. You cannot do anything more than what is necessary. There is, there is just a certain amount of oxygen, certain amount of food. Up there in those altitudes, it's very, very difficult to move your equipment not talking about a, a, a 200 pound man or 150 pound man and bring him down. It's utterly impossible, they say, and every man for himself. I was thinking they spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to get there. Hundreds of thousands, literally. Equipment and, and, and all kinds of things, permits and etc. And for what? Just to put your little flag up on the, on, the, on the top and say, I've been there. And then you walk down and up and you overstep course, uh, corpses of men they've tried and failed. And that shouldn't be the church of Jesus Christ tonight. Our church should not be an, uh, every man for himself. You know, in fact, that's what the problem is many, many times is when you want to see a miracle, when a church wants to experience a miracle, when a pastor of a church and disciples in the church want to experience a miracle, and the miracle will come when people will start to realize that it's not the, the food that I receive is not for me, but for those people around me. You know, it's very interesting how in the next chapter, in John chapter 6, we see a miracle of feeding the multitudes. You know that story? How the disciples came to Jesus and they said, this great multitude is very hungry, you should uh, let them go. Just let them go. We can't feed them. We can't shelter them. There's too many of them. You need to let them go, Jesus. And Jesus looks at them and he says, no, 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 wait a minute. You, you can't let them go. You, you can't go those drug addicts. You, you can't go those ex-cons. They go back, they will die. You, you, can't, go, you can't let go that family. They, they need your help. They, they need your, your aid. You, they need you. you. You can't let them go. And he says... You feed them and, and they are all shocked and you know the story. They find a little boy with a little lunch and then Jesus orders everybody to sit down and then he takes the bread and the loaves of bread and fishes and, and thanks God and then he looks at the disciples. It's late at night and these are full-blooded men and they are hungry. And when men are hungry, we are very hungry. We can't think properly, right? Sister, if you're married to a man and you say, well, you know, I, I, you just feed him first and then you can do anything with him, right? That's, that's not very difficult. It's not rocket science. I don't understand why girls don't get it. Ah. <laughs> oh. 
and so here's Jesus, you know, he, he starts giving this, this, this bread to man, to his man, and he says, turn around and, and, and give away. And you know, the, the miracle would have ended if all these 12 hungry, blooded, full-blooded men just got and ate that lunch, man, just with one swim. What have you done? And that's what happens in churches. We come and we sit in churches and we become spiritually fat and, and, and fatter and, and fatter and fatter. Right? And then, and then, and then they say, though those people, they say, it's none of them here in this place, but they say, I have my own problems. Right? So you come to church and you're look, looking at the ripples. You're waiting for the word from the... From the from the, from the evangelist? You're waiting for healing for yourself? And, and then they say, those people, none of you here, them, they say, I, I didn't get much from this sermon. It wasn't, I wasn't much, I wasn't getting much from this uh, ministry. I'm not being fed in this church. It's not very deep. This, the, the, you know, the preaching here is not very deep. I want to go really deep into the preaching, into the Word of God. Oh, oh come on, somebody. It makes me sick because you know what? The church is the most happy. You, you want to be happy? You know, if, what, what should have they done in that Bethesda uh, church? They should have said, listen, we got this one guy here. Some, some of them, one of them should have stood up and say, listen, I mean, we got this guy. Let, let, let's, let's make a deal here. Let's not be everyone for himself. But let's, let's throw this guy in. <laughs> right? He's been laying here for 30 stinking eight years. <laughs> let, let, let's help him. Let's make a deal. Let's be Christians. Let's get rid of rebellious spirit and strife and backbiting and, you know, your WhatsApp groups and all that stuff. Let's be Christians. Can we do this tonight? In Matthew 25, the Jesus, Jesus Christ speaks a parable about a king that talks to the people on the right hand and they are the the righteous, and he says, Come, blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom pre prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you received me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer to him, and they will say, Lord, I, I don't remember meeting you ever in my life I never saw you I, I would recognize you I, I would know that it was you I oh the Lord said do you remember that drug addict that meth addict that heroin addict that guy tattooed all over that scary looking dude do you remember how you, you were afraid of him you didn't know what their language is. You didn't understand what he's talking about. But you reached out to him. And you did a little bit more than just give him a flyer. Right? You ministered to him in a way that, 
that, that you decided to minister, no one else. You didn't know what to do, but you decided. And you stepped out of your way. You stepped out of your routine. You stepped out of uh, your, uh, uh, your regular lifestyle. You, do you remember that? Do you remember knocking on your door of your neighbor? And you, you, you saw that the, the young girl, and she's all in tears. And her, 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 her boy just left, and the little child. And you said, dear, can I, can I help you with something? brought Christ well I have news for you that dying uh, drug addict was me literally we have a rehab in our church it's up upstairs it's right there in the church building we have 40 men that are going through the recovery ministry right now they stay in the church building literally sometimes when they come in they have this drug that's called crocodile the reason why it's called crocodile is because the skin rots Whenever you put your injection, literally, uh, we, you, these people come in and we take scissors and we start cutting their, their jeans like this because they can never take them off. And, 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 and pus starts to drip off of the, of the, of the material and you can see the bones. It's many times rotten right through the bones. In the church, in the church of Jesus Christ, <laughs> such a crap. I don't, I don't get it. And I know we have to be wise and, and we have to be balanced. And there are kids and there is, you know, health hazard and all this stuff. But how many of us, you are recognizing yourself in this story. And it's very interesting to me that People are, 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 are mostly concerned about themselves. Only at one occasion they start to really be concerned of others. And when the, that's when somebody falls. Man, it's, it's, it is very interesting. We live in, su in such a world when people are so concerned and they become so interested in, in, in all the little details of if somebody fell. Have you ever noticed? They are so involved. I just had a man that uh, uh, a pioneering situation. A guy uh, uh, fell through the roof, uh, not literally, but uh, but spiritually, he he, he fell, and so he's not. Uh, we send him out. He's not coming back. All of a sudden, there's things involved in his life. He's going to stay in that city. He's not coming back. It's a bad scene. His wife is scared of him. And then I, I hear all these people asking questions, and even to me. And they say, Pastor, we heard this, this brother so-and-so is not coming back. Why is it so? Do you know what's going on? And they ask others. And one guy in particular, you know, uh, he asked me. I, I said to him, Brother, are you a friend of this guy? Have you ever prayed for him or, or, or helped him when he was in the mother church? Have you... Have you, uh, have you taken time to uh, be his friend? And uh, I mean, you, you, you are just buddies, you know. Now that, now that she, he fell, you want to know every detail. Have you called him when he was in a pioneering church situation? Have you made him a phone call? Have you prayed for him? Fasted? Maybe you fasted for him? Maybe you sent gifts? Maybe you gave to... To support the church, maybe, maybe you're linked to that couple. No, 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 I haven't done any of that. Well, stay away then.
People ask me all the time, we're a new fellowship, a new church in Russia. It's, we're 20 plus. We're, we're not that new, but still. And then they ask me, how shall we approach these circumstances and these situations? And the Bible clearly tells us in Galatians 6, in verse 1, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, well, first of all, you are who are spiritual. Not that you think you're spiritual. Eh, let, let, me, let me say this. If you think you're spiritual, you're probably not one of those people. Okay? So you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. I submit to you tonight that this one reason why churches do not experience revival is because every man for himself and that spirit needs to be broken. In 1 John 2 says, in verse 9, John says, He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. And they don't see Jesus walking right in the middle of them and they don't see others around them. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.